Hello and welcome to Roast Into Black and White Television's review show. We're currently, amongst other things, reviewing the black and white episodes of The Saint. I'm Guy Morgan, my co-host is David Newell, and... Oh, oh excuse me. Let's try and be quick and run through The Fellow Traveller. David, did you manage to look at the surrounds of Stevenage on the Google map. Now, I, I must admit, when it comes to an environment which is going to be a hotbed of espionage, double dealing, uh, and foreign governments, you know, you might think of um, a place like Casablanca, you may think of Istanbul or Cairo, um, but Stevenage isn't, isn't, wouldn't certainly be in my top 10. Stevenage does indeed feature. I think they do go on location to, to Stevenage. You know, they packed everything in the back of the transit. But yes, you're right. It does have some odd place names around it. There's Peter's Green. There's Bairns Green. Um, there's Woolmer Green. There's, oh, there's one here. And Breachwood Green, which I think is the colour that my mum's bathroom used to be. There's a lot of place names around there that are kind of quintessential British village names, aren't they? I mean, you, you can imagine that Miss Marple would have solved a lot of murders in almost any of them. OK, here's, here's a place which is just waiting to be written up as a murder mystery, um, which is frocking. Uh, you just go, where are you off to? I'm going off to frocking. So, yes, all of those. Well, great Offley. There's some marvellous cock and hoe. I'm sure it's not pronounced uh, um, like this. I know the Halifax Courier the other week, they did a piece um, about 15 places in Calderdale that are always pronounced incorrectly. You know, you've got Nebworth down there, plus old Nebworth, um, which, again, you know, you kind of like wonder, you know, what might be going on there. But, yeah, lovely place names. Now, there is one that did stand out. There's Nasty. Um, which is obviously you just want your photograph taken near that place name and um, Puckeridge and I think this how would this be pronounced guy here we go B R A U G H I N G Roaring Broaring Friars which is actually it sounds almost like a good name in its in its own sense yeah lots of lots of very very odd place names and at first I thought you know are we being shortchanged here. Um, I don't believe that Stevenage, but apparently it is. It is because they go to a place called the the Cromwell Hotel, and there really is a Cromwell Hotel. There is, um, and we, we know that we're in exotic territory because the caption comes up: Stevenage, England, and you see the Volvo drawing up, swinging rather precipitously into a parking spot in front of the Cromwell Hotel in Stevenage. It's a real place and anyone who wants to go and stay there will want to know that it is thankfully upgraded. Yes. Because the saint can't get a room with a bath. Oh, what kind of third world hellhole has he been sent to? But he's given room number seven, which is a bath just across the corridor. And oh, that's okay. He said, well, it's my lucky number. I'm not entirely sure what kind of room room number seven is now in the Cromwell Hotel, but according to their website, classic single rooms still don't appear to have their own bath, just shower with toiletries and fluffy towels. Yeah, okay. I expect they'll have a rush of bookings by Saint fans. Absolutely, and but they may get a harsh um, writer if they featured on four in a bed. <laughs> If they've, if they've not got an ensuite, a lot of people don't like that. And it always makes me laugh when they we have someone who runs a B&B &B 
in Eastbourne and they're asked to stop in a yurt in Derbyshire and they just don't like it. You, you said about the Volvo pulling up outside, um, but I would I would kind of lay even money. I don't think that's Rog coming out of that car. No. Um, it doesn't look right. I suspect it's just the exteriors that are shot in Stevenage because the studio set seems to look exactly like a typically British hotel lobby of the time. I too am not convinced that Roger Moore has ever set foot in Stevenage. Does he have a stunt double for when he has to get out of the car? I think he does because what you see is the rear door opening and the suitcase coming out and then you see the back of his head which doesn't look quite as immaculately coiffured no i think there's something untoward and then that figure walks into the exterior of the cromwell hotel and then rog walks into the interior which i think is a set and who's there to greet him at reception someone who was very busy that year and also um later on had very good hotel or motel running knowledge as well who are we talking about dave it's angus lenny Scottish actor Angus Lenny, who um, some of us may remember as Steve McQueen's sidekick in The Great Escape, was also in 633 Squadron, um, and in later life was the chef, Shuey McPhee, in Crossroads. Um, and I think he was also in... He was also in Monarch of the Glen and Doctor Who, but he was in 76 episodes of Crossroads, um, indeed. Uh, now, he does say, because he, he gets a chance to develop his character a little bit, he says that he's from Clackmanockshire, um, which is is kind of like above, above Edinburgh, near Alloa, that neck of the woods. But in real life, Angus Lenny was from Glasgow. So the thing is, if I was if I was a Scottish person watching that episode, would I think, you know what, Angus, you've done a really good um, Clackman accent because it just blends in, or would the the viewing public, mainly of whom would be English? Just thought, oh, he just sounds Scottish. Going back to where the hotel is and why they were filming in Stevenage, it's half an hour's drive up from Elstree. Oh, there you go. That's, that's, what? That's a quarter of a tank. There you go. That's, yeah, that's, no, that's it. Just load up the Ford Transit or the Bedford um, and just get up there. That's right. That's the second unit right there. All of that taken care of, and then they can do the uh, unpleasantness at the bus stop probably on the same day. So, did you notice anything about the weather? This is this is very very strange because I think we, you you notice this more than more than others, and for some reason, um, and I don't think this is you know production design or special effects, but it is an entirely snowbound Stevenage. It is. That's because it was an entirely snowbound Britain. This is <gasps> this is spring of 1963, the year of the big freeze. That's was the country you... grinding to a halt? It certainly was. But if people don't believe us, all they've got to do is watch BBC Four for long enough and the documentary of the time will come round where they say, why was it so cold and why did everything seize up? Featuring Cliff Mitchellmore, Kenneth Allsop, really quite a big news special which I think they only managed to do once everything had thawed out in April. Because it went on for ages. I mean, you're too young for this, David, aren't you? I, I wouldn't remember it at all, no. Yeah, but no. I do. I, I was a very small child, and I was able to make 
a snowman out of snow that was actually something like that came up to my waist because I was <gasps> a, a toddler. It wasn't clean, pristine snow because uh, everyone, had, everyone burnt coal, which was terrible for pollution, but actually allowed you to put eyes on the snowman. And I was very proud of that. And I think if it had been in something more durable, it would have been in the Henry Moore Institute by now. Yeah. So they were obviously filming, probably, I would guess, because they have managed to clear the roads. I would say March. It went out six months later in September. There are other shows that you can catch on Talking Pictures. There's a no hiding place where it's fairly obvious that it's been done in the height of winter. We mentioned on the, the Shopfront show about the production pressures, you do not stop. Whether it's rain, hail, tempest, storm, you do not stop filming. doesn't matter, you just carry on. Yeah. Just carry on, push through. Yeah, so that's what people are dealing with. I suspect Roger was nice and warm in the studios at Elstree. Yeah, he'd be back home in the studio with his, with his big coat on, one um, of those studio lights. I don't know where the hilly mountain road was where the Saint, or shall we say the Volvo, stubbornly mm. tries to overtake that lorry driven by villains. I'm not convinced that it's anywhere near Stevenage. I'll tell you what, if it, if it is near Stevenage, if I'd been living there at the time, I'd get onto my local councillor to complain about road conditions. There's no markings and there's a really rough pitted surface. And... An oddly steep hill. I've got no idea where that would be. I'm not an expert on the environs of Stevenage, but I am suspicious. I think this, the second unit may have been out for a jaunt further afield. Now let's talk about the plot. Summarise the plot, Dave. Um, well, it's it's the, the first episode of the second series, and, and we take a little bit of a departure in, in several ways. Firstly, it's set in Stevenage, and... What you were saying in uh, in our sister program about how the saint was looking to appeal to an American audience and in the first series, you know, you're in Rome or in the US. Um, would Stevenage appeal to an American audience? I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's set in Stevenage and um, Simon Templer has been phoned by a panicky gentleman who believes he's being blackmailed. The, the saint goes to meet him after he's checked in uh, at his bathroomless room and then have this man is shot. Um, Simon, very surprisingly, pulls his own gun out and, and fires back. That's, that's a bit of a shock. There's some there's some proper rough house. And then it turns out um, that, yes, the, the gentleman worked for like a secret place and may have been blackmailed because of his gambling debts into handing over some of the valuable blueprints for a valuable thing that the British government wants to keep hold of. And then all of a sudden it, it takes a really strange turn because um, all the cases or, or adventures of the saint up, up until this week, some have been quite harmless, like when he was walking through Spain or, you know, the, the going fishing with someone who weren't very good smugglers. But this is, he taps into to an international spy ring and he appears to be, or certainly appears to be able to drop in a telephone number, which gets him out of a right load of bother with the local police. Yeah, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card, isn't it? It is, yeah, just, just phone this number. It is phoned and sure enough, the local cop investigating the case has to let him go. It stands um, to and attention then, and says, yes, sir. I will give the, yeah. Mr. Templar every corporation. 
I know. Um, and then with the aid of Dawn Adams's Hungarian immigrant, bust the spy ring wide open. Yeah, there are several, I won't even call them twists, hairpin bends in mm. the plot that I was quite bemused by. Certainly the fact that halfway through, in order to get off a murder rap, the saint reveals that he's been moonlighting for... British intelligence mm. is a bit of a surprise. I'm not quite sure whether it's consistent, but if you're watching The Saint for consistency of character, there's no point, really. <laughs> no, this one, like I said, it's, it's, it's really left field, you know. He's, um, like I said, he's involved in some gunplay, um, obviously some more fisticuffs towards the end. There's, you know, there's a great deal of thumping going on and uh yeah you just think well I, i'm not quite sure particularly uh, you know what you know what gives it that edge it's all taking place in stevenage yeah it's the um... you don't you don't expect it it's it's like that is it that hugh whitmore play pack of lies you know about the spy ring which is just operating from a quiet suburban house yeah uh, and you think why you just who'd have thought that was going on and and exactly what you think who'd have thought this is going on in stevenage and there's an even twist in the end when we keep being told about the big villain and then the big villain is revealed to be just the bloke working behind the bar oh yes i did think it might be the blonde receptionist at one point yes yeah we'll canter through the uh, the credits shortly but like i said the hairpin bends given that there are at least two attempts to kill him. Why does Simon Templer allow himself when he turns up at the Blue Goose for having told the police that he has a plan? Why does he allow himself to be taken into the back room, whacked on the head, fall down the stairs and then wake up tied to a chair in the manner of Bulldog Drummond or Dick Barton? It's, it's, a, it's a long risk. I think it's a long risk game that he's playing. Simon Templer's obviously a very confident individual. You know, he's quite assured of his own skills and also judgment of other people's character as well. So maybe that's why he, he, he believes that he can sway Dawn Adams to be on his side. Uh, and then also the fact that he's able to kind of like estimate on right that that villain over there i'm able to give him a good thumping and he's going to stay down that's all well and good but it's basically dawn adams character magda vermoff which sounds like something that is on offer at aldi actually i always get mine from aldi two is for that, one is that she turns out to be on the side of the angels resourceful and, and this is the first time a harry junkins script reveals the saint to be extraordinarily fortunate in his choice of companions he's a master of human psychology guy what can i say that's what is that's what his skill is it's not driving around in a volvo and, and thumping people on the chin um it's that psychological edge that he has and presumably almost hypnotic where suddenly he can influence people into helping him out uh mm. yeah <laughs> i'm i'm not entirely convinced about that so he gets rescued by magna um, before pummeling Ray Austin to a pulp. Yeah, it, rightly so, because he's a right wrong gun. Even though he's uh, a major contributor to the Avengers. He's quite sinister, actually. I thought that he might have had a decent career as an actor, but obviously he did like a bit of action. As I said last mm. week, you know, anything that Ray Austin's in, you're going to get a punch. Yeah, there's going to be a big thumping. There's going to be, at one point, Simon Templer hits him with a chair. 
uh, and he, he he manages to do that thing, that recovery process uh, when when you are hit with a chair in a TV or film fight uh, by just shaking your head, and it's all back to normal. Yeah, but he wasn't even uh, hit on the head. That's the puzzling thing. He was, he was cracked on the ribs with it. You just shake it off, like being shot in the shoulder. Just shake it off. And this one does feature, who'd have thought it, a casino in Stevenage, the Blue Goose, where there's plenty of big paddle and shoe action. But it's a members club, so presumably they got round some regulations that way. Uh, but Simon Templer... Can you remember what he actually said when he was challenged by the receptionist? No. Was he a bit cheeky? I was thinking, what's he got his hand in his jacket pocket for? Good evening, sir. Could you tell me your name, please? Yes, it's Templer, Simon Templer. Are you a member, Mr Templer? No, but I have a large expense account to justify, I'm sure you can arrange it. Of course, Mr Templer. Please make yourself at home. I will. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. You know, if you're... If you're on the road, you know, working for, I don't know, McFisheries or something like that, sales rep, um, yeah, that would be how you wind down your time. And what do you think about his initial chat-up line to Magda? does come across as being very forward, doesn't he? Have you a cigarette? Are you? Anything. You're charming. Not really. It's just that I'm interested in women who are old enough to have had a little experience and young enough to want a little more. <laughs> oh. Oh, Rog, you, oh, you, oh, you cheeky monkey. Said by somebody, I'm trying to think, is it somebody like Paul Eddington or Peter Bowles? Or, yes, yeah, yeah. They might have got away with it. I'm not so sure about Dick Emery. No, no, or Patrick Mower. <laughs> no. It's it's not the sort of line that would crop up very often in Emmerdale, is it? Mm. Let's look at who was taking part in The Fellow Traveller. Now, I've got down here... The director was a chap called Peter Yates. Do you know anything about him? Peter Yates, Peter Yates, is it? I thought it might be the first Academy Award-nominated director of um, a Saint episode. Uh, Peter Yates got nominated uh, Best Director for The, for the Dresser, um, also directed Bullet, amongst others, Robbery, kind of like an early film, The Deep, Eleni. But no, James Hill, who directed Born Free, he won a, um, a Best Short Feature Oscar. And also, and I imagine people within a pub quiz might object to this, because Freddie Francis, even though he did direct a couple of episodes, um, he has got two Oscars, but obviously not for directing, that's for cinematography. Um, and uh, I think that's for Sons and Lovers and for Glory. And thankfully, um, some years ago, I had the chance to meet Freddie Francis. I felt so honoured. He's one of my heroes. Um, I was talking to him about the, the photography on the uh, Elephant Man and on Cape Fear. And this is, you know, he's probably knocking on when I was speaking to him. Um, and he was such a lovely old man. And he was with his he's with his son and his son was kind of like taking over the family business sort of. Um, but he did take the time to talk to me, but eventually said, I'm sorry, I love this conversation, but I must go. I really need the lavatory. Uh, and and that was that was lovely. We were guests at the Manchester Festival of Fantastic Film that year. Myself and Jonathan Bentley were showing uh, our creature feature, Tales of the Legion, and um, we we're in kind of like the guest paddock. So we were with Freddie Francis, uh, we were with uh, John Landis, and we were with the actor David Warbeck. Does it get any better than this? No, no is the answer. 
Right, so uh, Peter Yates, he also directed Seven Danger Mans, Seven Saints, before going off to Hollywood. Ah, oh, yeah, getting, that, getting the big bucks. Um, who else was in it? Uh, Dawn Adams, we've spoken about. She doesn't have any Avengers points, but she has three saints, one third man, but 26 episodes of Triangle. <gasps> uh, Father, Dear Father, Department S... Danger Man on the big screen. She's the Countess in The Vampire Lovers. And in the 50s, her films included Hot Money Girl, Prisoner of the Vulgar, Temptation, Die Verrotte Baronessa, which is the red-haired spy, uh, and in right. 1956, The House of Intrigue. Now, those are titles you'd want to go and see. You know what? I'm intrigued by The House of Intrigue. <laughs> Um, I want to know more. I also got a reference here to Star Maidens. Now, a lot of people who um, crop up throughout the Saint later appeared in Star Maidens. I think there is an episode to be spoken of about Star Maidens because it completely passed me by. You know why? You know why? Because you didn't live in Wales <laughs> and HTV, Harlech Television, used to show star maidens and i think i remember watching an episode whilst i was having me tea but i wasn't able to eat my tea because my jaw was on the floor um and i'd i'd never seen the like before uh, uh but yes star maidens was one of those programs which was picked up uh, maybe at like a, a big bargain boot sale for itv and you'd have some channels like borders or time teas and just go all oh, right yeah we'll we'll have that um, but other regions would have just gone, no, no, not on your Nelly, not having that. No, there was a, a lot of things um, in the late 70s. Star Cops is another one that had the title, mm. the word star in it. They were quite remarkable examples of British budget science fiction television at its best. Uh, they reached its uh, peak with the Omega Factor. Of <laughs> God, there you go, yeah. Yeah. Really have to go down the EPG if you want to see repeats of those. Um, right, Glyn Owens. No Avengers points, but he's familiar face and a long career, including 10 episodes of The Brothers, um, appearances in Doctor Who, Blake 7, Doom Watch, 26 episodes of The Rat Catchers in the 60s, um, 10 Coronation Street, 133 episodes of Emergency Ward 10. Very popular in its day. Um and in 1956, he was in the TV series, The Trollenberg Terror. <gasps> but that's terrifying, this, The Trollenberg Terror. I think you're thinking of the Hammer film, aren't you? Oh, right, yes. Yeah, it's that the one with Forrest Tucker. In something that eats human heads. Something of the kind, yes. Um, I'm not quite sure what at what in the TV series, but um, presumably that was kind of around about the same time as Quatermass was terrifying the nation. Neil McCallum, 26 episodes of Vendetta. We'll come back to that in future episodes. Um, Spy Trap in the 70s. Uh, voices for Captain Scarlet and Thunderbirds. One May Grey. Uh, 24 episodes of The Vise. And died far too young, age 46. That's great uh, Yeah, used to date, used to go out with Julie Andrews. Really? Yeah, I mean, Julie Andrews, big item. Horror fans may remember him as um, the luckless property developer um, in Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, where, spoiler alert, he gets eaten by a werewolf. 
He also, he also meets a sticky end, I think, spoiler alert, um, in uh, The Lost Continent as well. Can play people who meet sticky ends in his... Can uh... play people, usually sweats a lot as well, I've noticed. Um, maybe just like one of his, you know, he had it on his acting CV, can ride a horse, sword fight, sweat on demand. Don't know. I don't know. That would be Prince Andrew out of it, wouldn't it? <sighs> Uh, Michael Peake, who played Hans Blatt, has one Avengers point in the Mrs. Peel episode, Quick, Quick, Slow Death. Other shows, Vendetta, Doctor Who, eight episodes of Richard the Lionheart, Robin Hood and William Tell. Um, and another one, he died too young at the age of 48. Angus Lenny, we've talked about. Um, as I said, it was a busy year for him. There was that saint and then there was... The Great Escape and 63 Squadron. I mean, that's... Crikey. A... Yeah, at the end of that Crikey's year, got... you'd raise a glass to yourself, wouldn't you? You would. He's got a great line in 633 Squadron. I think when Cliff Robertson asks him, where's it hurt, Jock? And he just says, all over. And he tragically expires. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I should have said the spoiler alert before I said that. I don't think he has a particularly um, happy end in The Great Escape either. Spoiler alert, he is machine gunned on a barbed wire fence um, because he, he can't take it anymore, can't take it being cooped up in the same place year after year, which makes you wonder how he endured being in the Crossroads Motel for the length of time he was. Don't uh, know. Um, Gene Watts, no points, but a strong career on stage as well as screen in seven episodes of Airline. Brian Alton, two points, a Kathy Gale and a Tara King. Several Hancock's half hours, uh, and all in all, a fine fifty-year career. Michael Bates, um, no points. Not his first outing with Roger Moore. He was in one Ivanhoe. Had uh, countless other appearances on small and big screen. Frenzy in A Clockwork Orange. Um, um, Hatton as well, where he plays Monty. Oh right, yeah. He was in the still very unsettling The Stone Tape by Nigel Neal. Um, unfortunately, he's best remembered for the now problematic role of Ranji Ram in a turban. Um, but in his defence, he yeah. was born in Jansi, the United Provinces of Agra and Oud, when it was British India. So, discuss. Fred Ferris, two points, uh, both Cathy Gales, one Sergeant Cork, quite busy in the 50s and 60s. John Barrett. Now, his most famous line, quite popular in our house, is Quelle journée au bas de la terre. That's right, because he plays, um, uh, uh, it's um, Mr. Michael Oldway. Palin's dad. Yeah, Mick, Michael Palin's dad in an episode of, of Ripping Yarns. Um, because he finds his son so boring, uh, he, he just refuses to speak English to him, doesn't he? He just speaks French to him from then on. He pretended to be French so he wouldn't have to talk to him. Um, elsewhere, Zed Cars, Cloche Merle, uh, Not On Your Nelly, The Dustbin Men. And French Lieutenant's Woman. Oh, right. Yeah. Three Maygrays. Janine Gray, the receptionist who uh, I thought might be the real mastermind. Might be the head villain. At the Blue Goose. Got her sole Avengers point in the same year as this episode, when she played the creepy girl in the big dark house where Kathy Gale has been tricked into staying, called Don't Look Behind You. 
Oh, but you, oh, that make you want to look behind you if someone said that. If anyone can't get hold of a copy of Don't Look Behind You, uh, watch the colour version Mrs. Peel goes to called The Joker. It's the same plot. It's possibly even oh, the same no. set. And I think we can guess who might have written both those scripts. Mm. <laughs> An elephant never forgets. Then she went to the States and appeared in The Man from Uncle, The Wild Wild West, Hogan's Heroes and Bewitched. Uh, but she came back to being Sexton Blake. Oh. Um, Ernest Fenimore was a casino patron. He has two points, eight saints, Gideon CID, uh, that's Gideon's way over here, uh, The Human Jungle, Interpol Calling. He was almost entirely uncredited. And we've talked about Patrick Halpin before. He has two points, but he's also largely uncredited. Right, I think that's wrapped it up for the fellow traveller. We'll be back for the next one, which hopefully is a slightly more exotic location. Not that I'm dissing Stevenage, but, you know, Stevenage. Oh, I kind of hope that we'd be in a dramatic better location. Um, you know, I don't know, broadcasting from, from somewhere else. Um, Thunderbird 5. I know, yeah, Osset, could we go to there to film an episode? I don't know. Anyway, this has been the review show for Rose Tinted Black and White Television. Uh, we've been discussing season two of the UK seasons of The Saint and the episode The Fellow Traveller. The Saint will be back and so will we. <laughs>